By June, an estimated 173,000 restaurant workers in Colorado had been laid off or furloughed since the coronavirus began in March, and more than 400 restaurants have closed altogether. Welcome to the third episode of the Good and Grounded podcast, a series aimed at highlighting what's happening in our Denver and Colorado communities and what we can all do to make our communities better. I'm Jim Licko, co-founder and managing partner of the Denver-based digital marketing agency, Center Table. And I'm Laura Love, founder of the communications agency, Ground Floor Media, and co-founder of Center Table with Jim. So it's our intention to keep this podcast quick hitting to the point and dive into one key issue that our community is facing. And then our, our hope is that we give our community a direct call to action for a way that you can get engaged and make a difference with that particular issue. And of course, we'll end with one cool thing that we saw in our community so we can end on an upbeat note. In this episode, we're going to talk about the restaurant and hospitality industries and how deep the impact of the stay-at-home orders have been on, on this particular sector of our economy what they've been doing to stay afloat, and where we go from here. And of course, how we as community members can help out. Adam Schlegel is uh, one of the few in the proud Denver natives uh, here in our great city, and is probably best known around uh, town as the co-founder with his brother John of the wildly popular breakfast and brunch destination Snooze. He's uh, also a guy who wears a ton of hats when it comes to being a restaurateur, uh, championing a number of food access, sustainability, food security causes, ranging from uh, serving as the executive director of Eat Denver for a couple of years to being a longtime board member of Denver Urban Gardens. Uh, Most recently, he started Chick Chicken in Platte Park neighborhood. uh, And with whatever free time that leaves him, you can probably find him traveling or hanging out with his wife and, and their two boys. Adam, thanks for joining us on Good and Grounded. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Tell us about your first thoughts as the coronavirus quickly spread uh, and it became apparent that some form of a stay-at-home edict, you know, way back when, three months ago, uh, would come down. How, you know, what, as a restaurant owner, what were your main initial concerns as that was transpiring? Um, I I imagine like most people, it was just fear. Um, it was just this unknown, you know, the fear of the unknown that was, that was continually unfolding. So I remember texting with a friend of mine who actually lives over in Singapore and he was, um, he was just like, what's, what's going on there? What's the latest? I'm like, buddy, I think, I think they're going to shut down our restaurants in like a couple of days. And, and it was just like one domino after another, after another, um, just kind of unfolded. So, you know, I, I don't think anybody obviously could have predicted this. I don't think anybody properly prepared uh, in any way for it. So when all of these things just started unfolding, it was, you know, you, d- you tried to just put your head down um, and make as many thoughtful decisions as you could. Um, you were making decisions fast, which means they were half wrong most times, um, but you had to, you had to go and you had to experiment. Um, but I'll tell you, obviously that I mean, the most detrimental thing that you do is you face the fact that your business has just been cut off of all revenue and sales. And as it's now been well-documented, restaurants are not good businesses to have. We don't keep cash. We're like college students. And so you're forced to, you know, make these horrible decisions, you know, right off the bat. So, you know, it shook. We had to 
lay off 70% of our staff within like a 24, 48 hour period. Same thing for snooze, you know, but snooze is a much big juggernaut to do it. I mean, we laid off nearly over 1500 people across all of snooze, you know, and these are, these are friends and family that, um, you've spent so much time and energy with, um, yeah, I mean, all the stories and all the all the hoopla that you read, like it's it was real. It was the, one of the scariest, most uh, like detrimental times. So much so that I actually think I'm starting to black it out, which is good. So, obviously, you've you know you've pivoted a bit and adapted in some ways. Can you tell us a little bit about how you did that? You know, I think the, the initial like biggest concern for us was our team. It's not necessarily our business. It's like, you know, I, I, I know I will still figure out how to eat tonight, but a lot of my staff, like you didn't really know and you know how long unemployment was going to be and just this like unknown. Um, so the very first thing, you know, like we all did was just try to figure out how we can give as much lead time to our team so that they're going to be able to eat. Um, you know, and we did like a, two week or 10 day severance for our employees snooze did the same thing. And it was kind of that, like, but I'm going to let you go immediately and you need to run and get it like first in this line, um, to make sure that you've got means to it. And then once I feel like my team was settled, now I have to look around my business and be like, um, how am I going to make this work? You know, I mean, Chuck, we are a takeout restaurant. Um, and for us, the transition was obviously much easier to figure out. But that being said, like I've long chastised the DoorDashes and the, you know, delivery fee groups of the world. And I signed up because I needed sales. Like I needed to survive. I needed to not, you know, Google bankruptcy. You know, you, I mean, obviously a lot of restaurants adjusted even what they did. I mean, snooze, we created meal brunch kits. We were selling eggs and, you know, bacon uh, out the side. Like it was, you know, the, the ingenuity, I think that kind of came, um, as a result of this and the rapid adoption, I, you know, laugh at snooze often because it's such a big tanker and so hard to move now that it's, is what it is. And, um, they were nimble. We all had to be nimble. Governments were getting things done. Nonprofits were moving. Like it was, you could sense the urgency. As things kind of calm down, right, and they go back to not normal, but maybe the new normal, what does it look like for your industry? I mean, how do you navigate a plan to get back to this, knowing your capacity's changed and your seating arrangements have changed and staffing's changed? Well, I mean, so much of it's really not in my hands. Um, you know, the, the government told me to shut down, which was the right thing to do. And I don't knock it. And the government is also giving me pretty clear indications of what it is that I can do. Um, so because of that, um, and, you know, again, not right or wrong, but because of that, we're faced with a pretty like kind of dreary outcome. I mean, restaurants are still pretty hamstrung uh, with our capacity limits. I think there's a lot of uh, weariness about what's going to be lifted here in the next few months as far as capacity. Um, honestly, I've talked to a number of folks. It's kind of like the start of COVID. 
everybody rushed to the grocery store and they stocked up. And it's kind of been like that right now with the restaurants. Like you've been so cooped up that you run back out and people saw a little bit of a lift. And I don't know if people are getting the experience that they were hoping for. Um, I, and, and that's kind of that concern is that we see a little bit of a pop, but now that we're there, I don't know, are you enjoying having your server in a mask and being, you know, amply spaced away? And is, it's not why we got into these, these businesses of hospitality. Um, and so I do think that, you know, we're likely to see uh, a number of restaurants close. Um, that's been well talked about. And, you know, I mean, over the next 12 or 24 months, obviously Denver is, Denver is still a robust, wonderful city that I think is going to attract more and more um, folks. You know, is there that sous chef um, that's got this really creative tact on it, um, that's really willing to do something more whimsical? Can we actually add some really like fun and unique elements um, to our city to have like kind of a new rebirth um, of culinary talent and creative spaces and out of the box thinking? Um, with your experience in working with, with um, you know, food access, sustainability through Slow Food Nations, through Denver Urban Gardens, what do we need to know about the impact of COVID-19 on food access and working to get fresh food into kitchens everywhere? So from a food insecurity standpoint, um, I've, I've heard it mentioned that pre-COVID, we, one in nine residents of Colorado was food insecure. Um, which is a staggering and kind of awful number anyway. Um, and then during COVID, that number actually went up to one in five individuals. Um, so much of like my industry um, was hit to that. So much of like um, our minority communities um, were really impacted on these, these areas. Um, there have been an outpouring of groups trying to work to, to mitigate it, um, but the demand is never met during good years and, and now the demand has been amplified, but it's um, still obviously not met right now. From a food um, standpoint, I think everybody's kind of read it, you know, and, and again, in the silver lining, like hopefully this provides this awareness that, that the industrial food ag system that we all have is, is horrible and wrong and, and should not be that way. Um, Small scale farmers who are figuring out how to go direct to consumers, um, whether it's through a website or through a farmer's market, um, they're doing well. Um, when you know your food, when you're like living in this like um, fully eyes open kind of space, then, then you have um, more food security. You know, it's as simple as that. And um, but for a number of the farmers, that relied on restaurants, obviously that's a dire time. We're kind of, you know, really starting the harvest component right now of our, um, of our Colorado agriculture. Supermarkets have been gangbusters, restaurants have not. Um, as it often is, it's like there's this um, ag in the middle, it's called. The small scale farmer can figure out an access point and the large farmer can, but there's these groups in the middle that we as a system just don't have the right distribution models. And so I can't get you guys the, the proper food um, or can't get in the restaurants like we need. So again, in the good lining situation from this, um, 
I think that there are a number of people across all spectrums, and, and I've been able to talk to a number of them who never really saw this as a need um, or, or an area of concern. And we just have a lot of, I think, new and, and really smart minds that actually realize food insecurity is a real issue. Our food distribution system is broken. Um, and I'm actually really hopeful now that both like on a philanthropic, a foundational and entrepreneurial um, overall technical skills, we've got some new people thinking about a really age old problem um, of how bad our food system is. So now we just got to solve that. Yeah, you talk about, I think, strong minds, and we've certainly seen that innovation through this. And I think we've also seen a lot of strong hearts, people that want to help, want to give back, want to support this community. You know, we love to leave on one good thing people can do to support, in this case, obviously, our local businesses, especially our small businesses and the restaurant industry. Can you tell us one or two things people could do to support the businesses right now? Well, there's the obvious ones, um, which should be done regardless of pandemic, um, which is supporting the local independent restaurants and shops um, and supporting your local independent farms um, and getting to know them. In the middle of this pandemic, uh, there was a group of about 12 of us that put together a program called the Colorado Restaurant Response. Um, we managed to raise up over one and a half million dollars to this point, and we're actually producing 20,000 meals um, out of seven different kitchens um, that go directly to food insecure. And we've been doing that um, literally since the week that the mandate kind of came out. Um, so I say that as both like an opportunity for folks to support, but I think just as much like the 12 people that were part of this Colorado restaurant response, none of them worked in the restaurant business. None of them knew it. They came from Boston Consulting Group and Ball Corporation and former lift managers, and they just wanted to help. Um, and it was a matter of, of just reaching out with kind of an idea. And so I say that in this, like, we're all pivoting, uh, we're all innovating, we're all moving. Um, I think, you know, our, our social inequalities um, have been put on a megaphone during this opportunity. But I need your minds to help figure out how a food system could be better. And I want to lend as much of my time to figure out how we figure out um, uh, racial inequalities or, or homelessness problems. Like it's not enough to say we don't want it. Um, we have skills like raise up and, and let's try to really make this the city and the state and, and the nation that we actually believe in. Love that message. Love that. Thank you. Um, one of the things we're trying to accomplish with this with this podcast is how do we foster that think of we can be better and what can we do to encourage people to take that action and take that initiative to be better. So thanks for helping us uh, get that message out there. Thanks for your insights and, and your time and joining us today. Pleasure. In each one of these episodes, we always try and end on one cool thing that we've seen this week or one cool thing that we have learned during this coronavirus. And this week, my, well, let me just say that cool things don't usually involve needles, but for me, giving blood has always been something that terrifies me. But I realized during this pandemic that that was a need in our community. And so my 18-year-old daughter and I set off to give blood and we were able to do so. 
And I encourage everyone on this, if you can go stop by the Red Cross and make an appointment to give blood, we desperately need it in our community. So I encourage you to do so and have one cool thing that apparently involves needles. You can find us on goodandgrounded.com. Uh, you can listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Uh, find us on goodandgrounded.com to find out where we're, where we're being streamed. Um, if you do hear of a good story that needs to be shared here in your community, in your local community, let us know. Drop us a line. Uh, we'd love to, to be able to tell more of the local stories and how people can help their local communities. Uh, subscribe, share, let's do some good in our Denver and Colorado communities. Mm-hmm.